Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. Today we're going to talk about the DC comics that were released on the 12th of September 2018. If you haven't read those comics yet, pause the podcast, read them, and then come back. But first, we're going to talk about the launch of the DC Universe app, streaming service, whatever it is exactly. Um, It sort of soft-launched on, I believe it was Wednesday of last week, and officially went live on Saturday, which is Batman Day. Um, I presume you guys spent your Batman days, as you always do, uh, honoring all things Bat, both <laughs> personally and in public. Yeah, I'm I'm the freaking Joker. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I love well, Batman. Dude, we are contractually obligated to love Batman. Uh, so anyway, as long as he's Dick Grayson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, so fuck Batman. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's very, very relevant because we're talking about the DC Universe app. So, um, obviously, none of the shows launched just yet, and it's still somewhat in a beta mode. There's, there's a couple of things that are missing from there, but the bones of the app are there. I know Zach has not played around with it as much as Vince or I have, but sort of first general impressions of the app, Vince. Why don't we start with you? Um, well, I think the, I think the, the, the movie and TV selection right now is, is good enough, uh, to justify that end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously it's not completely comprehensive and none of the new stuff has started yet, but I mean, they have, they have all the Batman movies, right? They have, Uh, they don't have Dark Knight Rises yet. Oh, okay. Well, they have all the good Batman movies. They have all the, yeah. they have all the good Batman movies, and uh, and they have all the Superman movies. Uh, yes, um, like the Re- the Reeve yeah. ones. I don't know about the. Do they have returns? They don't. I but I, I presume that one will be coming in relative short order. Yeah. Anyway, they have like most of what you're looking for on that end. Um, the comics, you know, people are knocking the the comics selection on there, but I think. I think if you're not going to do the full blown uh, Marvel Unlimited, where basically everything is on there, if you're not willing to do that, this isn't a terrible selection. I just wish one of the one of the annoying things that they do is that um, there'll be like a landmark event or a landmark run or something, and they'll have one issue of it, or they'll have an arc and they'll have one or one or two or three issues of like a six issue arc and. You know, if you're gonna, if you're going to have a streaming service where it's essentially a curated selection like that, throw the whole arcs in there. You know, if it means if it means having less variety but having the full arc, I feel like that's a trade off people would take. And if that that changes periodically, the the selection changes, and then you change those arcs out for other full arcs, I think that's better than just having like. There's the first issue of 52 is on there, you know, well, fat lot of good that does anyone, you know, I don't think I I can't imagine anyone logging on there and read it and saying, I'm going to read one issue of 52. Okay, So I don't disagree with that logic, but I think that DC is thinking about it more of like, if we're to introduce people to our most iconic books, we don't want to lose the sales on those books. So this is a way to give people a taste of what those things are without losing their 
you know, nine ninety nine, whatever it is, to buy it. I'm not saying that that's good from a consumer standpoint, yeah. but I understand the logic no. of it from a business standpoint of like we're we're trying to get people to sample these things and then they can explore on their own after they have sampled these first issues. I I get that, but I don't get why like. <sighs> One issue of 52. I, I feel like um, how many copies of 52, digital or or otherwise, are they really going to sell off of putting one issue of 52 on that I mean, service? Uh, that's you a know? point well taken. After I, all, I, I think it's more yeah. of a point of like I saw some people complaining that the whole of uh, Dark Knight Returns isn't on there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something where if some – first of all, I can't imagine many people springing for this service who haven't read that book. Mm -hmm. But if they haven't, I can understand why you would want people to buy that book. But I think one issue of Dark Knight Returns, what is it, a six-issue or eight-issue miniseries? Like, that's I thought way it was, more I think it's only four. Oh, it's only but four? I think they're wow, prestige. Okay. Yeah. They're prestige. Oh, okay, that's what, okay, okay. Um, but, you know, like, but that is something that is... That is something that you, you get more of the idea of what it's all about from reading a quarter of it as opposed to reading... One fifty second of it, fifty fifth if you're counting the uh, World War Three issues. So, yeah, I see your point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of series that like, you know, it'll be full series or like full uh, uh, Jeff Johns runs that are reduced to like the first three issues, and I just feel like um, I don't know a lot of this. There is some obscure stuff that it, it's it's neat to look at and and dip back into a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff on here that's like seminal runs that everyone's either already read or has been available for years, and it keeps getting recollected by DC. And I feel like, um, I mean, I understand the other side of it that that they have these perennial books that are going to sell consistently, and they want to keep selling them. But I feel like if this is something that's going to rotate in and out, why don't you say, you know, I I just feel like, like you said, with the, with the Dark Knight Re- Returns, most people have read that already if they're planning on reading it. What does it hurt to throw the whole thing up there for Batman month or whatever? And then to say, okay, this is the day it's leaving the system for free. After this, you'll have to buy it. Right. But at least, you know, for that little bit of time, you had the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And know. all those things might come. We don't know. The, 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 it's less than a week old at this point. Yeah. You know, so we don't really know. But that's that's a fair point. That uh, said, it's a really neat uh, it's a really neat selection to, to page through. Like the, the entire uh, pre-New 52 Red Robin run is on there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of little runs and arcs that, that you kind of remember liking that you can dip back into. And I, I think it's the curation aspect is fascinating to me. So I, I don't think it's a failure. Yeah. Zach, uh, you had a chance to poke around tonight a little bit. Uh, what do you think about all this? Um, it's, it's nice for what it is like. Um, the, the comic selection is like really mixed and overall like pretty disappointing, but I don't, feel like that's very surprising for um something that's like fresh out of the gate and isn't even really i feel like this thing doesn't really start until the original content comes out i feel like Mm -hmm. this is kind of just the um this is like a new video game console launch where 
there are like this is the early adopter season, you know, where it's for the hardcore. It's for the people who have to be there day one. Um, there, and there's not a lot of great content. Um, but I, I think it'll probably get better. Um, I still don't know if it's going to be something for uh, me, you know, if it's aimed at someone like me. Uh, but I guess, like, time will tell. I'm, I'm definitely interested to watch some of the stuff that's on there. But it's also, you know, on the other hand, like, not that great because a month ago or two months ago, you know, a lot of this content was on streaming services that I already subscribed to. So it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. To me, the more interesting streaming stuff is like, they have all the original Superman serials. Yeah. Kirk Allen. Like that's a really cool historical curiosity. You, you care about all that old stuff. I do. Um, but, or like you know, there was a uh, there was a syndicated Superboy show in the late '80s, early '90s that I watched religiously. That nobody ever remembers being a thing, and all four seasons are on there. Um, all nine seasons of the Super Friends are on there. Mm, does it have a uh, Shazam with Sinbad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yet. That's not a yet. that's a deep cut. That is a deep cut. Uh, <laughs> um, what, what is the name of that phenomenon? I can't remember. You know, um, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't remember. I'd have to. It's the whole Berenstein, Berenstein Bears thing. Too, yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah. Where the simulation has been, um, yeah, adjusted. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Have you guys poked around at all with the DC Encyclopedia on there? I did look at that a little bit. I did too, yeah. It's not uh-huh. quite who's who, but it's it's a fun idea. Yeah. And you know, actually, that's really funny. I, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me. I remember when I was probably like 9 or 10. It was kind of in like the big heyday of the DC Animated Universe stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember DC had a website or Warner Brothers ran a website that had something essentially like that. It was like a character encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And I would spend a lot of time on that. In fact, that's like probably when I really started to become really invested in DC characters. So I do like that, that it's kind of this official curated place that people can go to. Um, and especially like kids, I hope kids can like enjoy that i mean grown-ups can i guess it's fine but like comics ain't for kids anymore zach but they should be <laughs> yeah. I know. we'll talk about that next week <laughs> yes we will <laughs> yes we will <laughs> um no i know i i wish that the encyclopedia was actually just on dccomics.com that shouldn't be behind a paywall for that reason, Zach. That you know, yeah, I would, I would hope the kids would be able to dig into that if they wanted to. Um, I, I think that this is kind of gonna be where we diverge from the maybe the target audience of this. Do you guys have any interest in the collectibles or the community aspect of it? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, same here. But I that, that it's since you bring that up, can I talk about? I watched the first episode of DC Daily 
I watched literally a minute and a half and I went, nah, yeah. turned it off today. Right. No, no, you're you're right to do that. But I, I watched more like 15 minutes of it. Okay. And it's basically, imagine what if DC Universe app had a QVC show. Like they literally drag out all the collectibles and try to sell them to you on that show. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, the downside as it is, I mean, the downside to that show, no matter what, is there's never going to be a critical opinion expressed on that show. Right. DC is never going to have anybody up there who's not going to be shilling in one form or another, but to bring out the uh, collectibles is pretty cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there is an audience for this, though, because, like, um, the people who spend their time online on Twitter or whatever, who consider themselves DC fans that like will, will stand basically anybody who's involved in DC are going to eat this up because that's basically what this is. Basically it's the, the hosts hold up some DC product and they all scream at it for 30 seconds. And I feel like there are people out there in the YouTube generation that want exactly that out of their entertainment. So, yeah. It's funny. I uh, so a couple, and, and you guys already know this. A couple weeks ago, I got a box from DC with some uh, an issue of Border Town and some tortilla chips and salsa and a luchador mask. And it was just a promotional item. And every, I'd say about four times a year, I get a box of that sort. And my daughter, who is six, was like, "Why didn't you do an unboxing video?" <laughs> oh God. And I was like, I didn't even think of that because that's not how I think about, you know, how I think about things. But like, even as a kid, she knows about, because she watches, she's watched like some toy unboxing videos. And I am shocked there is not an unboxing section of that website yet. Sure. I feel like that's something to come. Oh, yeah. Um, have, have you guys seen any of the original content besides DC Daily? Uh, there, there's, there's some like intro stuff to like, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking, that's what you're about, talking yeah. about. I haven't yeah. watched any of that, but I do think that's interesting. Like there's somebody introducing the, uh, like Keaton Batman movie. I forget, yes. I forget who it was, but it's, I believe it's, his guy's name is Ralph Garman. I believe he is a Kevin Smith affiliated. Oh, of course. Dingleberry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But two of them were introduced by Brooke Ward. Does that dingleberry hang around the brown area? (laughs) Of course. You know, it does. It pones that brown area. Um, But uh, two of them are are done by Burt Ward of of Batman 66 fame. And basically, imagine if Robin was stung by 400 bees, and that's what he looks like now. I'm sorry. That was mean to Burt Ward. Um, I've heard he's kind of an a-hole at... uh, I've heard that, too, so that's why. Yeah, so... (laughs) Fuck him. Fuck Burt Ward. <laughs> uh, but uh, like the um, I watched I guess four of them. I watched uh, Burt Ward introduce New Teen Titans number one by Wolfman Perez. I watched uh, Garmin. Uh, three of them. I watched, I watched Garmin introduce uh, Superman the movie and Superman two, and the Superman two one actually had some information that maybe the average fan wouldn't know. Like it talked about how Richard Donner had filmed a lot of that concurrently with Superman the movie, but how uh, he was fired and how they had to reshoot stuff. And like they went into a, a reasonably thorough for a two-minute video description of that film. And I feel like 
if it's that, it's totally fine. But I wish that there would be introductions to, like, the weirder stuff. Like, I saw there's an introduction to Flashpoint on there, mm. which is weird, but, like, I don't think anybody needs to know about Superman the movie. Like, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward. And there's nothing in there that is particularly revelatory. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I guess that stuff's kind of fun. I don't know. What I'm excited to check out one of these days is they have all the DC Nation shorts on there. Yeah. You guys remember those? Yes. Yeah. Some of those are great. Um, yeah. Um, so we had talked about trying to do something like on a monthly basis with the app, and we still haven't figured out what that is yet. But uh, listeners, if you have any ideas for what you'd like us to do with the app, tweet at us or email us or whatever, and uh, comment on the site, whatever. We'll try and figure out something to do with the app. We should definitely do like a uh, a Twitter or a Twitch or something watch along of something at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Watchmen. No, that's 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 our own thing. That's <laughs> I, I know. We don't want to put our dear, dear listeners through watching the Watchmen extended cut or whatever. <laughs> Who watches never gonna us do it? watch the Watchmen? Who watches us watch the Watchmen? <laughs> Someone has to have done that by now yeah. in I'm this sure. age. You would sure. think. You would think. Uh, any closing app thoughts? Mm, I don't oh, know. I, I'm sorry. I have two good things I want to say. I do think that their their reader for comics is pretty good. It's essentially the comicsology reader, um, in terms of how it operates, but it's it 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 functions fine, so that's good. Um what's not so good is and I haven't watched a full length feature on it yet, but I've watched I said some of those like shorter videos, and the aspect ratio of them does not match the amount of screen they give you, like there's a banner up top that you that kind of follows the page down, and if so, you can never see the full frame of the videos you're watching. You're either cutting off the top or the bottom of it on a browser. Mm. I, I'm sure it's better on the app, um, mm, but on the browser, it's kind of it's, it's it, it just means you got to scroll around a little bit, which is not fo- not ideal at all. So that's all. Those are my small complaints, and uh, yeah. Um, Vince, I feel like this is a question that you are uh, that you are necessitate. I have to ask you, um, right now, and that's: Are you ready for some comics? <laughs> is that a is that a football thing? It is. It is. You're Mr. Packers. I I am. Yeah. Who yep. tied yesterday? Tied. Yep. Like kissing your sister. They say. Yep. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a sister. Uh, 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 like kissing Brian in a wig. Um, yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird day for me. I kind of laid around, didn't know what to do with myself after that happened. Uh, um, it's a weird feeling to tie. Yeah, second tie in the NFL this year so far, right? Yeah. Yep. First time it's ever happened uh, in the first two weeks in a row. Yeah. Or maybe even two weeks in a row, period. That's a okay. that's the kind of fun sports statistic that I really get down for. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah, so. that, we're, <laughs> we're testing out some banter on the DC3 cast <laughs> right now. 
we have to give Vince his Packer talk every now and then, Zach. You know that. So I'll be I'll be rending my garments before this season is over. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Catwoman number three. Written and illustrated by Joel Jones with a flashback sequence illustrated by Fernando Blanco. What did you boys think of this issue? Zach, you take it away. Uh, it's still really good. I, I don't really feel like I have a ton to say about it. That that lady's really awful. <laughs> um, that mean, mean lady, that Lucille Blue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's just let's just establish in canon that her name is Gangi. Yeah, yes, <laughs> Gangi. <laughs> um, uh, do you do you feel like uh, Selena getting beat up by um, super powered octogenarians is so, says something about the times? <laughs> You're saying these are all like, uh, uh, f- like Floridians, like old people that have retired and moved to Florida and uh, uh, live on that in that one uh, like retirement compound that's that's entirely like Trump voters. The villages, the villages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. That was that was funny. I feel like it's also like I feel like old people are being used as like a uh, weird punchline in that in in the in the whole thing with this lady getting all this plastic surgery because she's falling apart. You know, it's sort of a it sort of adds to the bizarreness of not really necessarily knowing how old this lady might be. You know. yeah, that's a good point, Zach. Um, I thought this was a great issue. Um, I think I love the way that this comic is sort of um, splitting Selena between uh, her kind of like anti-hero fallout from the bat Batman stuff uh, side of things but also halfway returning her to this criminal underworld thing. Not, not that she's the the mob leader or anything like, like she eventually came, became in that one run, but that she's gone back to that world where she feels very much at home. You know, she's in this city now where, uh, the criminal syndicate or whatever basically runs things right from the politics to the government, to all the parties and everything to the police. Right. Um, it feels very true to worlds we've seen Selena in, in the past. Uh, and I like that. And, um, and I think it's like a slyly funny book too, with like the, first of all, with the old people fight, but then also with, I love when she pulls out the smoke bombs or whatever, and they don't work. Yep. And, and she's just kind of just like, damn it. Whatever his name is. Uh, Carlos. Carlos. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's, sure that's a good comedic beat. Like, I feel like she, I feel like she wanted, uh, Selena to accidentally pull out a dildo, but DC like wouldn't, wouldn't let them do that. So those only the appear in goodie, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say in the goodie bags of her, uh, bachelorette. Party. Yeah. 
Well, there was the joke in like the previous Catwoman issue about like, wasn't there some? Didn't she have like anal beads or something? <laughs> or that Carlos guy had anal beads or whatever? And whatever. I'm I'm pretty sure that was a joke that was made. So anyway, yes. All right, still, creep. still very good. Still very. Hi. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it's good. I thought this was a good issue. I, and beautiful um, to look at. Damn it. Yes, yeah, yes. I, th- I think uh, I think Joel Jones' um, Catwoman costume is maybe my favorite, like maybe ever. Wow. Um, I, I did want to say I thought Fernando Blanco did a great job with the with the flashbacks too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's the like kind of rotating artist from here on out too. Oh, is he okay? That's interesting. Yeah, no, I felt that his work fit in nicely with her style. It was obviously differentiated, but it felt kind of a piece to this, so that was nice. It was good. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked that they're doing some stuff with Selena. That, and, and this is obvious from the solo title, but like she has been a character that's been so defined by her relationship with Bruce over the last few years. It's just good to see her doing stuff that isn't Bat-related at all. You know, and it and in this book, she is far less um, hung up on Bruce than he is on her. This is letting her do her own story in a way that we haven't really gotten in a bat book yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, do we want to talk about the uh, final page reveal thing? Sure, go for it. Yeah, so that's. I mean, she that's her sister, right? Ma- Maggie? Yep. Was her name Maggie? Do you remember Catwoman's sister from the old pre-Flashpoint stuff? Vaguely. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if she was ever used in the New 52. Um, but definitely pre-Flashpoint. She was like a nun. Because I remember some like religious, religiously tinged arcs of Catwoman. Um, why she's in a wheelchair and kind of looks like Barbara Gordon or Oracle. I I don't really know, but, um, you got Zach, do you remember her sister at all? What her deal is? No, I don't. Oh, geez. You're supposed to be the MVP, Zach. You're supposed to. Oh, well. Well, you brought it up, so I thought you would have brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I'm not. I'm kidding. I know. It's fine. Zach is the MVP. Of course. Uh, no, I, I, but I I do think, again, that it's nice to have her. Her sister has nothing to do with Bruce again. I'm just, I'm just happy that this character is getting something other than relationship stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Detective Comics number 988, written by James Robinson, illustrated by Steven Segovia. Uh, this is uh, an arc that lasts until, uh, is it December, I think? Mm, yes, I think so. Too long, whatever it is. <laughs> so we joked about this before the podcast. Uh, Zach had Zach said that this is half a good comic. Vince didn't seem to think it was any of a good comic. And I think it's probably a half to two thirds of a good comic. Oh, geez. 
Um, Vince, <laughs> we'll let we'll let you start. So, well, I don't think that this is not as bad as the Wonder Woman stuff. The dialogue, of not. yeah, the the, the dialogue is not as bad. I, I mean, that was our major criticism. At least in this comic, everybody pretty much speaks like a human being would speak. Um, but man, this felt light. It felt nothing really happens in it. It felt like the most rote Batman story ever. Um, it feels like filler to get you to issue 1000 of this book. Like what happens? Uh, the, the bat signal goes, or I don't even think the bat signal goes off, but Batman shows up to this murder and Gordon's there. They chat about it a little bit. Bruce gets the info on the murder, goes back, investigates it. Turns out it's firefly or fireflies involved in this, uh, other crime, right, or whatever, fire, like a building fire, and somehow these stories are going to intertwine, right? But it's like, that's it. There's nothing to, like, this story really has no reason to exist. I don't really, right? It's like every other Batman story ever. Vince, you ignorant slut. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I, is it uh... not? It's like, what, like, I don't get why this story exists. See, I feel like whenever I make that comment you my friend are the one who says like well not all comics need to be event comics and there can be a good story and whatever and you got me right don't you say that i say that sometimes yeah and so i i I don't think that that's i mean look this is certainly not going to go down as like the most important batman story of all time we all know that oh man but what if it did that'd be wild (laughs) it would be wild Rewrite the history books. Detective Comics nine eight eight. The new Detective Comics twenty seven. <laughs> um, no, but I, but I don't think that's necessarily a reason to to dog the book, especially because it's not. I get more annoyed when it's a book that promises to be earth shattering and it's not. I think everybody kind of knows what this is. Anyway, Zach, you you be the voice of reason here for a minute. Well, as usual, I fall somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Um, so, so yeah, I thought that the opening of this issue was pretty corny. I thought the dialogue between Bruce and Gordon was just really really silly, um, and even some of the stuff between Bruce and uh, Alfred was really just like we need to establish the status quo here yeah yeah exactly exactly um once the fight with the fireflies started going i felt like the both the pace and the dialogue kicked up a bit um and in that regard i feel like this is maybe the best James Robinson thing I've read since like Earth Two. But that's not saying much. He hasn't done that much since then. Well, you're he's done. The he did. Stuff. He did like twenty issues of Wonder Woman. <laughs> it wasn't twenty issues. Yeah, it just, 
it just it, felt like it. No, it was Brian. It was like thirty. It was issues thirty to fifty. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my god. Or thirty-one. I I think. Oh, I'd have believed nineteen. I wouldn't. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, that's terrible. Um, yeah, he did thirty-one to fifty, um, plus a plus an annual. Okay. But yeah, plus all of his Marvel stuff, and he did do a lot of Marvel stuff, most of which I didn't read, but I heard things. I like I like some of that Marvel stuff. Some of it. Um, so uh, a couple of things I want to say. Uh, I do think that this, the back half of the issue worked much better than the front half. But I think this is this is this is a fine Batman comic. It's nothing great, nothing earth shattering. But my expectations have been lowered so much by Wonder Woman that this and by Trinity too that this feels you know miles ahead of that. But I do think it's really really funny that so Bruce is looking in this guy's like secret room in his apartment, right? And then Firefly comes from behind him with flames ablazing, and the first thing he says is. Lady Firefly? Like he <laughs> he noticed her curves before anything else. It was a uh Bruce. Well he Michael. did he just got yeah. exactly, yeah. He just got rejected by Selena and yeah. it's probably been a little oh, while. Man. And, oh yeah. man. <laughs> Literally the first thing he says. <sighs> his eyes like bug out of his head a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He gets like a bit of a nosebleed. Um, something else is on fire right now mm. my loins <laughs> I, so quick question have either of you ever read the um, I don't want to call it seminal because I've never read it but I see it <laughs> all the time but the oh and I also never mind <laughs> no no yeah, you, gotta never start, mind. you started it uh, you started it you gotta complain um, Go the, uh, the arc he did on detective um Kind of like just prior to, I think the Morrison era. That was the, it was like face to face. I think is what it was called. I don't know. Maybe. Why? What, what's what's your? Well, your because reason? because the title of this issue is deface, or the title of this arc is deface the face. <laughs> so I wonder if this is like supposed to be a sequel. Oh, interesting. Here, let me see if I can. I want to. I think it's called Face to Face, and it was a two-face story. Face the Face, yeah, is what it was called. Um, and this is Deface the Face. Yeah, it has to deface be Deface the Face. Yeah, so it's got to be a sequel. But I've never read that, so I don't know. Um, I wonder but, if that's on the app. I doubt it, but maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, it was actually between Detective and Batman. Um, or it was a crossover. I should say, but I've never read it and I don't know if it's good, but I do see it um, touted a lot. That was back when Simone Bianchi was doing detective covers and they looked really good. Okay. What year was that? Would that have been like 20? Had to have been like 2005. Okay. Um, all of that stuff gets compressed in time for me. You could have told me it was like 2001 or 2010. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm trying to see when like the original printing. Okay, so the original collection came out in 2006. So okay, yeah, that's, that's a nice point. We should check that out. We should see if we can find that, or I'll see if I can find that. I'm sure Vince won't uh, won't read it because he hates this comic so much. 
No, it's because I actually read all of our normal comics that we're supposed to read for this, so hey, I don't have well, any more time. It's um, we might have it. We need to for, first need of to all check. We, we might all. have it actually. Let's see. Hang, okay, I, I'm just calling Vince's bullshit here. Vince reads hundreds <laughs> of issues of Detective Comics at night. It's and true. Tweets he does. about them, and you know. <laughs> And here he is saying he can't read an arc for the show. Oh, guys, I have no time. I'm blah, 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 blah. Packers, Packers. Uh. I'm sick of it. Yeah, we we actually have this. I'm surprised Brian hasn't read it yet. Oh, see, we have it? Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll read it before the next issue of Detective Comics. If either of you would care to join me, you may. Otherwise, I'll just report back to the group. I only read arcs if they last more than 100 issues. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right next up hawkman number four written by robert venditti illustrated by brian hitch there's a ghost hold- there's a skeleton holding a gun on the cover <laughs> it's the share zone it, it is the motherfucking <laughs> share zone that is admin on the cover it, it, that's a, that's established <laughs> canon <laughs> yep um. So I'll uh, I'll talk about this for a second. I I like the the device that this book is using of of Carter visiting different like uh, incarnations of himself. But I will say that I hope Venditti starts to switch it up a little bit because I see the formula getting a little bit stale. Even after only just four issues, you sort of know exactly how the beats are going to go. Like they're going to argue for a while. Then Carter's going to convince him that no, he is like a future or past version of himself. They have to find this relic and they find it and then he's off to the next place. Um, it looks like the next place is a two-parter in the microverse. So I'm excited about that because Hawkman and Adam is a great combination. Yeah. But, but this is, this is fun, but I could see this sort of wearing thin if this, if this trend continues for too long. Uh, do you guys agree, disagree? What say you? I agree. Um, I feel I kind of felt the same thing. Although, um, I don't think it quite wore out its welcome yet, and I think it's because, you know, I just said this about the the last issue of Detective Comics, but this issue is extremely light too. You know, it's mm-hmm. basically not much happens other than uh, Carter argues with uh, Qatar. Qatar. And eventually convinces him that he may be who he's saying he is, and then he's off to the next thing. Really, not that much to it, but I found the the interaction between the two of them pretty believable, and and like, um, I felt like it hit all the, you know, the 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 questions that one would have in that situation are believable, but yet at the same time, they they all realize that they live in this fantasy world, right? So. I sometimes get like messed up uh, when, like, in a superhero story, a character can't believe that like time travel exists. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, um, like that issue of Wonder Woman where where she's like, you know, what do you mean you're being controlled by an evil? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, come on, yeah. you've seen this, you've seen this twenty times. So, I, I thought it was a nice mix of like incredulity there but then also like well okay 
I'm part of a galactic police force, so I guess like weirder things have happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so I found that pretty satisfying, and um, and I, I'm pumped for the microverse stuff as well. Uh, and and the art the art really does look nice. And I'm not the biggest Hitch fan in the world, but I think like the Deathbringers, those like giant uh, like mecha mecha. Yeah. Those like, like hawk mech things. Yeah, uh, the big hawk Gundams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are cool looking. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I like and, this, Zach. Yeah, and that was like you know Hitch getting to do his like trademark destruction, like Michael Bay stuff, um, and it looked really good. I liked it. Um, now that I see that cover as Desher Zone, I like this issue even better. I need <laughs> someone to do. Uh, w- we need to work on that. Um, <laughs> Because it's kind of perfect. That skeleton has like the best share zone pose. I know. <laughs> I can't unsee it now. I'm kind of like fixated on that. Um, I I agree with your point, Brian. I feel like it hasn't really run thin for me yet. No, um, I agree, but it's, it's on, yeah, right on the yeah. verge of it. It could. It could. Um, I think maybe my hope is that um, this opening arc. So I think you know where we're recording the solicits for December just came out. And I think it lists that issue, that's number seven, as the we're going to get a, a new origin of Hawkman. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if maybe we're kind of going through, you know, some of the the beats. I mean, we pretty much are. We're kind of going through, like, the classic Hawkman identity beats. We had Khufu, now we've got Katar, um... I kind of wonder if maybe by the time we reach like issue seven, eight ish, not that we won't like see other Hawkmen anymore, but maybe we'll be like moving in a different direction. Yeah. I I think part of my frustration, just I'm sorry, Zach, to cut you off, is that we saw that amazing double page spread in the first issue of like the Kryptonian Hawk and all those other like crazy. Uh, never before seen Hawkman worlds, mm-hmm. and we've seen Ancient Egypt plenty of times in DC Comics. We've seen Hawk World plenty of times in DC Comics, you know. But this seems like something relatively. Those seem like things that were relatively new that I would have liked to have seen uh, instead of this stuff. I mean, yeah. Even though, I, even though this does have a place in all of that, you know, you're right about that. Yeah, I think I think we'll definitely get to that stuff. Yeah. What do you think of Hitch's art in general? And then what do you think of this art? I generally really like Hitch's art. Um, and I think this, as far as like modern Hitch goes, this is good Hitch art. Yeah, I think this, is I think this book's a really great a fit for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think this works like, and I even like enjoyed his Justice League stuff a good deal. And I feel like this is better than that. Yeah, I, I think that there there's a nice sort of... Uh, there's a nice sort of mixture here. He does the sort of big, bombastic superhero stuff pretty well, but I, I've really enjoyed how he is, um, how he's done specifically with the flight stuff of Hawkman. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've seen a lot of uh, of Hawkman flying around, looking, looking particularly, just I think he, he's very good at flight. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect that. And that's just something Venditti said to me when I interviewed him about this book before the first issue even came out. 
he said that he he thought that that Hitch was able to illustrate flight in a way that a, no other artist has done it quite this way before, and I I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Any other Hawk thoughts? Nope. This book's still way better than I expected. I I'm kind of eager for us to do another top ten. I feel like it's getting pretty close to time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Maybe we'll do that at New York more altogether. Ooh. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. We're going to fight about it. Yeah, we are. I have home turf advantage, so I'm feeling good about this fight. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it's going to be pretty embarrassing when Zach and I murder you in your own house. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are going to see me in person for the first time and realize how scrawny I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh we've seen the uh I was say, rapper dance video <laughs> oh that's right you're right you're francis francis, francis yeah moves. yeah yeah a, a stiff breeze appears to will take you appears to uh have the ability to take you down yeah yeah well that brings us to the second of the new sandman universe books house of whispers written by nalo hopkinson illustrated by uh domo and uh, I I spoke a lot about my dislike for the dreaming number one last week. So someone else start off. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you. What, what did you think of of House of Whispers number one? I didn't like this as much as I kind of hoped I would. Mostly because I felt like I had a hard time following it. Not not in that I like didn't understand what was going on, but in just how. Um, hectic it kind of was in the storytelling Vince what about you uh, I liked it quite a bit not not as much as the dreaming but like maybe a notch below that um, I think that the thing that the, the thing that you have to like calibrate your 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 brain for or whatever when it comes to reading books like the dreaming or or this house of whispers now is that like um like Zach was saying I it I, I could follow everything that was going on um it it remains to be seen in both books how important certain aspects like I, I I don't yet know what aspects of this book are going to become important and what I should sort of latch on to, you know? Yeah. And I, and I felt like that a little bit with the dreaming too, although I felt like the dreaming had more different things going on for me to kind of divide my attention up. Whereas this book doesn't quite have as many threads, but you know, I don't yet know. And and maybe this is my, I don't read like solicits or like, I don't usually read like interviews with creators and things like that, but like, I don't know if I'm supposed to invest in these kids in this story or if it's going to be more to do with the, with the, the gods and things, you know? Um, and so I'm not quite sure. Uh, or like this uncle Monday character, is this somebody who's I'm going to be following in future issues? I'm interested in him right now, you know, but um, kind of with all of these return to the Sandman game in universe type things. I'm just not sure yet what the big take home point is or what the, what the, um, 
what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to say it in a way that, like, you know, for what reason are we returning to these stories? And I'm not saying they don't have a reason. I just don't know what they what it is yet. I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to take yet from this. But I'm really intrigued by this first issue. I liked it quite a bit. I liked the the sense of mysticism that um, I haven't really been exposed to a lot as a reader. Um, I like. I always like this idea that gods uh, interfere with humans, and some of them are. Um, impetuous you know like this uh shakpana god who's who's uh like a deity who enjoys rumors and like by getting really into rumors he's kind of screwing shit up for like the normies you know mm-hmm. um i really dug that and i dug the the setting um i yeah i like it a lot i'm just not sure like in the in the i'm i'm not great with like even even with the um even with like the old vertigo books that were more fantasy tinged even outside of the game and stuff i i kind of have to get my brain rewired to reading a story like this where there's it's more conceptual and fantastical than it is concrete you know mm-hmm. um but i dug it a lot and i dug domo stanton's art too it's not it's not that is not all it's stanton's art is not um, all that different from like a sort of superhero DC Marvel uh, cape comic, you know, just applied to a completely different world. Um, but it's really nice. It's a nice version of that. So I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I um, I I enjoyed this issue. I did. Um... I think this is a book that would have succeeded just as well and could have been exactly the same without that last page connecting it to the dreaming. Yeah, and that's what kind of actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's another thing. How much is that something that is going to be going forward, you know? Uh, but keep keep going, but that's just kind of that kind of what you just said kind of hammers my point home where like okay, now it's explicitly connected to the dreaming. Is this something that's going to tie in more, more than it initially appeared? Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, so I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I love the rumor stuff. Like Vince said, that was, that was a really fun aspect of it. I thought there were some fun little characters that, uh, that have been popping up here and there. It's it's a fun book. I again, I don't know if this needs to be connected to the dreaming. I don't know if this was like like I know House of Whispers is the only property that doesn't have some precedent, right? I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty original, right? I don't think there's yeah, That's what I'm saying, yeah. So I wonder if this was an was was a pitch for something else. And they were like, "Hey, you can move that into the Vertigo uh, Sandman sphere here." Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, this really does feel like something that would have come out in like um, that batch of Vertigo books, like around the time of um, oh, there, you know, like when FBP and Hinterlands uh-huh. and things like that were coming out. That's a good call. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's good. I, I did like Domo's art quite a bit. I thought it was fun and pretty playful. And I also think there were, there were some fun ideas, like the the girl knowing when someone like entered her body, like a soul entered her body, and her being able to shake it off. That was a fun idea. There was, there was, there was a lot of interesting concepts here. To me, this story was just more of an intriguing first issue than last week's was. I know I'm alone in that, but that's okay. That is okay. Shall we move on? Yes. Okay, so this is a fun little thing we're going to talk about. DC has sent over, and I don't know if they're going to keep doing this or not, but the first chapter of, of the Justice League Giant from Walmart, the first chapter of the new Wonder Woman story by Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Chad Harden. And uh, like I said, I don't know if we're going to be getting all the installments of this or just the first one, but uh, I believe we all read this, correct, boys? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vince, what did you think of this? I really like the Connor and Palmiotti voice applied to Diana. Um, I think it's fun when Diana, you, you referenced this earlier with a, a turn of phrase that Diana tries to use that she doesn't quite understand. Um, yeah. I believe it's, I believe it's yanking pulling, your leg. It was pulling your crank, pulling your crank, right? <laughs> that is a very Connor and Palmiati joke. Um, but I think, sorry, it, no, no, you're right. It was, it was yanking your leg. Okay. I was going to say that. That's a pulling your cranks a little a little ribald for uh, Walmart, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you wish it was pulling your crank. Seriously, <laughs> and then they pulled me crank, um, and then looked over, and, then I, and John was pulling his crank, John was pulling his crank, and I'm plunking my plunker, um, <laughs> two weeks in a row with that one. Uh, if you Let's made it that it far <laughs> last week, um. No, but I, I like that playful voice for Diana. I think this was a very playful story. Um, pretty light, but I, I guess, you know, that's kind of probably what they're trying to do with these. Um, well. <laughs> uh, no, they're not. <laughs> no, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom King did not get that memo. Leave, leave it to Tom King to, yeah, well, yes. Yep, you're right. Um but this was fun. This was I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Diane uh, Diana talks to the animals, which was a, a nice moment. That's a strong moment. I feel like that's that is something that is not without precedent in her history, but it's not brought up or talked about nearly enough. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, Zach. What did you think? I, I thought it was fun. It was, um, you know, this one I feel like was definitely not built with the same pomp and circumstances the batman and superman ones which is sad you know for obvious reasons but i think the story um while being good and and fun and you know kind of everything you want out of a wonder woman story i also think it was pretty pretty slight and not necessarily momentous Yeah, I was surprised by the amount of Steve Trevor in this story. Um, I, although, now that I think about it, I guess it makes sense that if 
if part of this is to capitalize on the popularity of the Wonder Woman film, Steve Trevor was an important part of that film. So I suppose that's not all that surprising. But I I feel like uh, for a story that is supposed to be a Wonder Woman showcase, really almost everything that happens in it, aside from the forest fire stuff, is Steve Trevor dependent. It's an interesting point, yeah. Uh, Chad Harden, he's he's done a bunch of Harley Quinn stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a frequent collaborator with with Palmiotti and Connor. Yeah. I thought his art was serviceable here. Mm-hmm. Maybe not my favorite Wonder Woman art, but that's okay. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, it's a little bit hard to compare because the Batman story is going to be illustrated by Nick Darrington and the Superman story is illustrated by Andy Kubert. So those are two pretty big names to follow. Right. Um, I am excited to keep reading this, though. I hope that we keep getting these copies. All right. Michael Cray, number 11, written by Brian Hill, who seems to have a new book announced every week. <laughs> Just today, they announced he's doing a, uh, a Killmonger miniseries at Marvel, and he's also the new writer of the Kiss comic at Dynamite. <laughs> and he's doing Batman and he's doing Batman and the Outsiders and he's doing American Carnage. He's like the new Charles Soul. Yes, he is. <sighs> the kiss thing is the uh, <laughs> Or Jeff I, Lemire, whichever you want to yeah. <laughs> I'm um, actually I'm actually interviewing Brian Hell about the Kiss comic this week. That's great. Hey yeah. I I don't understand the whole kiss thing. <laughs> Neither do I. How did this happen? Yeah. I was actually gonna ask if I if I had no like if it was a creator I was friendly with already I was gonna end it with settle an argument is the love gun his dick but I, <laughs> but I decided that, that was better left unsaid for a, a first time interview plunking on me love gun yeah <laughs> so written by Brian Hill illustrated by N Stephen Harris oh um, man did we do happiness is a warm gun last month last week <laughs> we did we might have. I can't remember if that one got worked in. It was right, did, it was right before everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Zach, did I send it to you or just Vince the New York Post headline from last week? I can't remember. Beat the Meatles. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing that, so maybe not. Yeah. And the sub headline was "Come Together." <laughs> Beat the Meatles. It's so good. <laughs> god bless the new york post or daily news or daily news whatever it was enemy of the people yep my ass all right so (laughs) it's michael cray (laughs) so was i the only person who was confused and thought diana was fucking john constantine only to then realize it was lex luthor i thought that at first too okay Uh, yeah me too okay What'd you guys think of this issue? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to say my piece real quick. Um, I thought this was the best issue in a while. Okay. I love the way I love how they went back and showed like kind of how Diana got the mindset that 
she's in right now and and how she how the kind of like villain turn kind of happened um and then how everything's dovetailing into you know showing why Constantine is Constantine is the big bad of sorts and um at, when the issue first started I thought like oh man they're going back and doing like a Diana origin in their second to last issue but then by the end you realize oh no shit is coming to a head very quickly and and now you can see how the next issue is going to be the last one and I thought it was really dramatic and really cinematic the way that these things are tying together and and kind of the way that they play upon your expectations of of who Diana is and and how she was raised and and kind of turn them on their heads for this um this is a really strong book, I think. And, and the best issue in a while, I think, too. I, I've been liking the book, but it's it's been a little bit... It's it's not been this satisfying in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll agree. This is a really great uh, penultimate chapter. Um, and, you know, I think of all of us, I've probably been the most down on this book in general, but I, I liked this issue a lot. Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree with, with everything that you guys just said. I think it's really interesting that this book started off as sort of a, like, Justice Leaguer of the week with, with Craig going after, and how it settled into this groove of Diana and Constantine, and how that's really, really worked for it. And at first I wasn't, I wasn't super invested in these alternate versions of, DC characters, but I think that these two characters have give have been given enough time that it doesn't just feel like a quick, like Elseworlds, one and done story. You know, they, they, the characters feel more substantial and developed. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it kind of weird how it feels like the other Justice League characters were kind of just used to establish the presence of. DC characters in this world and to like let die in, in a weird way they formed a foundation for Diana to be here um, yeah yeah That's yeah a good point. what did you think Zach of Luthor's characterization here um I, I thought it was fine I, I thought it seemed pretty not unlike his normal characterization but he did seem like he didn't seem like a good guy. I mean, he definitely wasn't because of all the things that Diana accused him of. Um, but he also didn't seem quite as yeah, radical. It, right, right. And then almost like I'm kind of checking myself a little bit here, but it's almost kind of like based on all the other things that we've seen, this is almost kind of like an Earth 3 type world. Um, you know, with like the roles reversed between heroes and villains and stuff. Um, yeah, and the fact that she refers to if she calls him Alexander too is like a nod to that. Um, if only he had hair, then it would like go all the way. But yeah, um, yeah, it was. I I actually really liked that scene between Lex and Diana. I thought it worked really well. Yeah. I think that Brian Hill is 
is really playing this book right because if he was trying to make the characters too like I, I think there's there's always the 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 trapping if you're writing a book about an alternate version of a character to either do it so that the character is exactly the same way they are in the other versions or they have to be like a twisted funhouse mirror version of them. I think he's making the characters distinct enough, but not worried about making them unrecognizable or perfectly recognizable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I felt, uh, you know, for the most part so far. Uh, any other Michael Cray comments? Nope. All right, let's move over to... Uh, actually, you know what? Let's take a break. And uh, we'll come back with our discussion of Plastic Man and Beyond right after this. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Plastic Man number four, written by Gail Simone, illustrated by Adrian Mello. Um, I don't mean to be the downer about this book, but it's fine. It's good. It is what it is. I'm not getting too excited about it, though. Yeah, I'm on that point too. I, um, it's pretty wang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six issues is a bit long on this. Um, but this, I feel like this issue had a lot for Gail Simone fans. Secret Six members were in it. Mm-hmm. Some of the big ones. Um, they man. they mentioned the green team. Did you catch <laughs> oh, that? Did they really? Yeah, it just got oh, a mention. Man. Did they mention the movement too? Nah. <laughs> uh, sadly, no, the the movement was one she wrote. She didn't write the Green Team. Oh, you're right. You're right. Green Team Art was uh, yeah, Art and Franco. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Dang, I'm surprised she didn't mention the movement. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm sure. I I know that they like planned those together though. So yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure she has fond memories of Green Team as well. I mean, who doesn't have fond memories of those teen trillionaires? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, There's yeah. a book I forgot existed until today. Yep. As usual, I like this a little bit more than you guys did. I think <laughs> we're just you, saying we're just saying as usual completely. Yeah. Uh, you just like the idea of uh, superhero strippers. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, legitimately do. Uh, no, I think, I think Mello's doing really great work. I think, um, the page where that mobster comes back with cream for his wife, whose skin is like turning to stone or whatever, it was so unsettling, like great artistic moment right there. Just a, just a very creepy page, um, in a book that is otherwise not so creepy, you know? Yeah. Um, the most Gail Simone page of the issue 
was that old couple talking about stuff when Plastic Man like goes by naked. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. That was that was very funny. I thought. I thought that yeah, was that worked. Yeah. Yep. Um. And also, I really think the relationship between um, Eel and Pato is very sweet. Um, I think it continues to be sweet four issues in. And, you know, the book has a surprising amount of heart because of it. Um, I think you're right. It's not an earth-shattering comic by any means. Um I think pretty much only like Simone fans or Plastic Man fans need to really apply here. But for what it is, I think it's really good. Um, I don't have much more to say than that, but but I, I like it quite a bit. I'm always happy to read it when it shows up. All right. Let's talk about Red Hood Outlaw. As it's uh, <laughs> stylized on the cover, written by Scotty Lobdell, illustrated by P.D. Woods. Um, so this is where Lobdell went. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad. Nah, I'm just, I'm just teasing. It's, it's, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's not anywhere near like New Fifty Two Red Hood. Probably not. I don't. Think it is so. basically a new fifty-two comic. I guess so. I mean, I you, yeah. No, you don't. You don't have to like. No, I mean, I guess you're right. I'm probably being too generous with it just because I, I have liked this book so much, but this is none of the things that I like about it. So. I'm surprised at how stealthily this book became something completely other than what it was. I mean, I know they did the thing where they said, like, Red Hood and the Outlaws is changing its name, you know, and they just do, like, the cheeky thing where they cross out the parts of the of the title that don't really apply anymore, you know? But that kind of, even that undersold how big of a change this is. This is, like, the new Coke version of Red Hood. You know, this is like, um, this is like the extreme, like he's extreme now, you know, um, it's like a new 52, like imagine the new 52 Red Hood and the Outlaws never happened and they were pitching a new 52 Red Hood book. This is what it would be like. He's got like a short, uh, close cropped like haircut, right? Yes. He is the like, Clark Kent from the Greg Pak run. Yeah. Haircut. Exactly. He's running around in a red hoodie, like a hoodie, basically. Yeah. Pulled up over, and he's saying like extreme things to people. You know, every every time someone gets in his way, he's like, "I'll kill you," you know, and like, like, uh, like he like he does like kills now, and he's beating people with a crowbar, which is totally like that is like like if if the New Fifty Two were going to reference the crowbar, they would have J- Jason Todd. Uh, beating somebody to death with it, you know. Um, to me, this was like, hey, you got some alternative pitch for Red Hood sitting around. Let's pretend nothing that came before ever happened, and we're going to go from here. And to me, it was so... It was another book that was really slight, first of all. And it felt so out of place, Um 
considering the the heartfelt twenty five ish issues that came before, uh, probably my biggest is it's not the worst book of the week. I don't even think I don't even think it is necessarily a technically bad book because I think the Pete Woods art is really nice. I think the story is really streamlined. It's just not. It is so much like image top cow than it is the Red Hood book that I want. So to me, it's like one of the bigger disappointments um, as far as the direction of a book has gone that, that I can remember in a while. It's like the teen, it's like the Adam Glass Teen Titans uh, only applied to Red Hood for me. Yeah. Um, everything you said is more or less correct. The, uh, the Pete Woods art is really nice. I, I think we need more Pete Woods on monthly comics, so this is a nice thing to see. Um, my one thought with the sort of abrupt tonal change in the book is I wonder if this is the dark second act to lead to a triumphant third act for Red Hood, Artemis, and Bizarro. Because now we know Bizarro and Artemis are alive, still out there, right? We saw that in the uh, the annual. And uh, I feel like this is Lobdell trying to bring everybody down to like their lowest point to build them back up again. Or at least I hope that's the case. And even if that is the case, that doesn't mean I necessarily want to read this this chapter of the book. But I don't think it's necessarily... Like, I don't think he forgot what made that first part good. Yeah. I don't know. Zach, what say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely think we're going to get to that eventually, you know, the, um, resolution to the, the bizarro Artemis stuff. Um, and I kind of wonder if eventually that's going to run concurrently. Like if we are going to get issues of just those two off doing things, maybe as like interludes, which would be awesome. Uh Um, yeah, I agree with that. Cause they're off in the multiverse somewhere doing something cool. And Jason's just here doing this, um, doing diners, drive-ins and death. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It's diners, drivers and death. Um, that's Vince Nip. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, do, do you want to do the show without me? Do you want to just say all the things that I like and all the jokes that that I would do, and I'll just go? I mean, you might be going anyway <laughs> to that big, to that great podcast in the sky. So <laughs> that's Patreon content. <laughs> uh, if- all right, all right. If we subs- if we get uh, at least a thousand Patreon subscribers or over ten thousand dollars a month, I will die on the podcast. <laughs> that. Oh man, I can't wait for our show to blow up, and then you haven't contractually die on the podcast. <laughs> I'll do it. But then you like show up and in the after credits in in Paris with um <laughs> with with, with uh, yeah Anne Hathaway 
Uh, yeah. Hathaway. There's the name I was searching for. If only. Yeah. Ahuga. <laughs> Great and broke back mountain. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Sideways number eight. Written by King of the Multiverse himself, Dan DiDio. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church wine movie, right? <laughs> talk about an old bad joke coming back. <laughs> Uh, written by Dan Didio. I've been trying all week to get my Didio back. It hasn't worked. Um, illustrated what the fuck is Matt- going on in this book, guys? <laughs> that last guy is just Vince. Uh, illustrated by Max Rayner and Trevor Scott. This is full-on seven soldiers business. This is a lot of fun. Mm. You disagree? I, I want to hear from Zach on this. Before uh, I start. Um... Well, I, I didn't finish what I was going to say. Okay, go for it. So what I was going to say was, you know, this is fun because I think that as as sort of slight, and that, that slight is the word of the night, by the way, as sort of slight as the New Age of Heroes has been, I think that Sideways has been the most fun of them, but I don't know what else I really want to see Sideways do, and then Sideways, like, parties with the Seven Soldiers. And that's better than I could have ever anticipated before this uh, book started. So it's fun, it's slight, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Zach, this is maybe not a Seven Soldiers sequel that I needed very much. It's fine. It's fun. It's it, it's it's fine and fun. I'm glad these characters are being used. I shouldn't complain. Um. Mostly, it just made me want to go read the original series. So I'm going to need one of you to explain to me what the fuck happens in the second half of this book, though, of this issue. He's he's in the dark multiverse, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is real. Nothing to get hung about. Dark multiverse forever. <laughs> plenty of things to get hung about, but... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of another beetle, uh, beat the Beatles joke. Um, (laughs) no, I, I just don't, I, I don't know if I lost, I don't know if I lost focus or something, but I have no, like once he leaves the seven soldiers, I have no idea what's going on in this book, who these people in the dark, dark multiverse are supposed to be. It is really hard to peg down the analogs. Do we want to try and do that? There's at least like three Superman figures here. Oh, yeah. or what there, there's, I... li- there's like Kent Clark or whatever his name is. Right. Uh-huh. I didn't even have the like, I didn't even have the will to even try to process that though, because I was so disinterested in, in where the book went after the seven soldiers stuff. So go, go ahead. Talk about the analogs, but I'm, I am just completely lost. So I think, I think essentially he is lost in the dark multiverse and then he is rescued by these, I guess, characters who have also been lost in the Dark Multiverse. And they're in this, like, safe haven where... I'm putting safe haven in quotes. There's obviously a uh, a nefarious presence there. But, yeah, he's just he's in this, like... Uh, this, like, this... this safe space within the dark multiverse that doesn't disappear the way the other parts of the dark multiverse appear and disappear. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's weird. I don't even remember how long this arc is supposed to be. So I don't even I don't have a good feel on how far into this arc we are. Let's see. Um maybe just one more issue, I think. Yeah, I was going to say I think isn't it one more issue and then there's that annual that's co-written by Grant Morrison? Yeah, which I don't yeah, I think maybe that's the real. Yeah, so that so we've got one issue and then the annual co-written by Morrison that's going to tie it all back up. I'm um, I'm basically only reading this book anymore to get to that Morrison issue. <laughs> I know we were promised that. Hey, sideways was that was that that Superman Day thing? He's here to stay. <laughs> Most most important new character since uh, who did, who did we decide Kate Kane or Electric No Superman. Kate Yeah no Kate Kane's a really old character actually no wasn't it um new Superman new Superman there we go I am really happy that this has uh like Nightmare Electric Blue Superman in it yeah. That is that is our favorite reference, I think. I think it's my favorite Superman. Don't at me. <laughs> Hell yeah. I did want to point out once again that the Manhattan Guardian is not the Guardian, but that's good. Okay. I was fucking with Vince again. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, <sighs> I don't know what I did to deserve this, but all right. All right. Let's talk about Suicide Squad, number 46, written by Rob Williams and Dan Abnett, illustrated by Jose Luis. This is Sink Atlantis, part three. And uh, someone was going to talk. Who was going to talk just then? You you talk. You talk. No, go ahead, Zach. I was just going to say it looks good, and I don't have anything else to say. (laughs) (laughs) It looks looks really good. I think Jose Luis is... uh, Probably a DC three favorite, even though I don't think we I've ever like mentioned if, it before. <laughs> well, no, we have. We've, no, we we've have. talked about him on other books, but like, I think if you if you asked us all to come up with our lists of like the ten the ten best artists that are working at DC right now on these books, we probably none of us would probably mention him. And yet, every time he comes up, I think we our praise is pretty effusive. So. I just think it's worth mentioning how good this book looks, and 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 I think he's kind of underrated. I agree with all that. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that. So, Zach, did you not actually read this? No, I read it. I just like nothing happens. Yeah, this is like the definition of the third of a four-part miniseries <laughs> when it should have only been a two-part, you know, crossover. Uh, there's just nothing happening yeah. here. I mean, the beat with Dolphin was kind of nice. I've, I've been feeling really weird about how Abnet is building up this love triangle that I think is going to go nowhere. And then I kind of don't want to go anywhere because like, I just want Aqua. I, I want like Arthur and Mare to just be okay. Yeah. Um, but he's still doing it and <laughs> I still well, kind of like it. 
And she's she's clearly gonna like die, bite the dust or something, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, they're basically which, Star Trek redshirting her. Yeah, yeah. Which like I think I mentioned a few issues ago about like one of the things like I'm a little sad about the like Abnett's run ending and Kelly Sue taking over is that I feel like she's probably just gonna go back to her home planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I liked this well enough. Um, one particular panel I want to point out is that silent school, quote-unquote, guard dog that shows up, that, like, gigantic fish. Yeah. I think that is a wonderful uh, rendering of something very big and silly in a book that, you know, Aquaman tends to take itself too seriously over these last several years in some sort of uh, attempt to legitimize him, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like a big silly page like that is just what the book needs once in a while. And uh, and also I continue to like uh, Lord Satan's anus quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I just like I love the design for that character. And and what they did with that character is kind of what we've been talking about with Suicide Squad, where like you can't really have legitimate um, twists or surprise deaths. Because when they have the core team as Suicide Squad, you know none of them are really going to die. But with this particular kind of uh, de facto team that they had going going on this mission, there's opportunity for that. And sure enough, it happens. And it's not that it's all that surprising, but it's 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 a refreshing twist with a group of characters where you don't get those anymore. You know? Yeah. Was it just me, or what's the what's the guy's name? Master Lock, or whatever his name is. Uh, uh, the Master Jailer. Master Jailer. I feel like he's just a poor man's dead shot, and that he just wants to be there for his kids. <laughs> I just want my kids back. Yeah, he's also kind of homeless dad. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, look, you're great, but I'm Tom Jane. Yeah. <laughs> He he's basically Will Smith in Suicide Squad plus Will Smith in Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about Supergirl, number twenty-two, written by Mark Andreco, illustrated by Kevin McGuire. Get that sweet, sweet crypto action. Mm, better than Superman. <laughs> it's pretty good pretty good and yet I continue to be surprised just how much it's towing the Bendis line it, this is 100% following Bendis' story yes um, oh yeah really unexpected how, how much it's it's going down that line really? Why are you surprised by that? what's that? I think we're both surprised you're surprised by that oh yeah Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> what is happening? Zach and I are surprised that you are surprised he's towing the Bendis line. Oh, well, why? Why you guys were surprised um, when you re- when you reviewed the first issue? Were we? I feel I don't like think you we were. I feel <laughs> like you were. We knew what this was going to be, though. We knew that this was 
like a Bendis companion. I I know, but I'm I guess I'm like I don't know. It's not often that books written not by the writer of someone else's story arc cue this closely to what they're doing anymore. I feel like that's not a thing that happens as often anymore. Can I somewhat throw water on that? Isn't that what isn't that what's happening in all the Justice League books right now? I was just gonna say Scott Snyder and and James Tynion don't count because they're like joined at the hip. Well, and like also like all the maybe not all of but the majority of the Dark Universe books. Like I, I mean don't I don't know, know if y'all I don't know if you saw but the Fugonauts are gonna be in <laughs> the unexpected in December. So no, I didn't see that because I don't fucking read solicitations it's well, the most boring shit in the I, know, world. I know you really cared now you whatever spoiled the, the solicitations fuck. the solicitations are better than the comics you A spoiled the Zach fucking knots for me <laughs> it's so easy to fuck <laughs> all right forget i said anything talk about this fucking issue it's a great <laughs> issue it's a really good issue best green lantern comic Yes, uh, in, in, in rebirth. rebirth. <laughs> yep, exactly. I had the same exact note written. Uh, oh, yeah. This is really good. Oh, I had a thought today about okay. along those lines. And this is kind of a long thought, and I don't want to derail us anymore. So I'm just going to throw it out there really quick. But it ties into Superman too. Um, so. Heroes in Crisis should wrap up like early spring of next year. Yes. And so we don't have like a summer event book yet by around, around because, like because, June, because July. The summer event book is still Doomsday Clock because that book's never ending. No, that doesn't count. Um, Bendis will have been on the Super Books for about a year. What do you think the odds are that we get a Bendis Superman event next year? that launches another non Morrison Green Lantern book. Huh. Why do you think Bendis is going to do a Green Lantern book? I don't think Bendis is going to do it. I think it's going to spin out of the event. Oh, okay. I think the Lanterns are going to be off the table for a while. But I could see like the way that Bendis is using them and Draco's using them here. That may I, I I could I could see it. I guess this is two predictions in one. One, I think we're going to get the Superman Bendis event next year. Two, I think that the Green Lanterns are going to spin out of it. I think we're I think we're definitely going to get a Bendis event. I think the Green Lanterns. I. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that they are basically going to be off the table until Morrison's done. And I think they're going to be used a lot because they're still going to, they're still like one of the pillars of the DCU, even if they're not like the, you know, there was a while where the Green Lanterns were like the th- the third leg in the tr- Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. That's More not so really. Than Wonder Woman, yeah. Yeah, right, right. That's not really the case anymore, but I think they're still, especially, you know, they're going to establish a movie. They're still always going to be core members of the Justice League. They're they're still really important to the DCU. So I think what's going to happen is Morrison's going to do essentially whatever he wants with um, 
with Hal with Hal and with the title Green Lantern for a while. And apparently that's going to be more than the one year now because I don't know if you saw, but he's he's already started on the second year of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they're just going to let him go with that as long as he wants. Uh, not that they haven't screwed Morrison over before as far as like the trajectory of his story goes. But I feel like you're going to see a lot of the tertiary and secondary lanterns used in stories, but not be the main dish, right? And I think whatever happens when Morrison's done is what's going to launch a completely new Green Lantern initiative. I, I don't see... I think Bendis's next thing is going to be Batman once he's done with Superman. And I know you're not saying that Bendis is going to write the Green Lantern book, but I, I think that that's going to be his focus, you know? See, it's funny you mentioned this. I was thinking earlier today about the summer event book for next year. And I actually have a pretty bold uh, prediction. And maybe maybe it's not for next summer. Maybe it's for something soon. But I feel like there's been this sense that DC has been there have been these, these different camps of there was like the, you know we heard about the Jeff Johns camp versus the Dan DiDio camp right of the various creators that were sort of sided with each one I think that they're going to want to eliminate that sort of uh, competition among the troops and I could see a book because it would be a very DC thing and a very Bendis thing to have like Bendis and Snyder write an event together mm. or like Bend almost like 52, like Bendis, Snyder, Johns, and uh, Tynion or something. King. You know? Or King. Oh, God, King, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I could see Bendis co-writing an event, because that's a very Bendis thing also, to co-write an event. Um, You know, so yeah, that's my prediction. Um, anyway. I think I think we're getting Crisis on Infinite Earths 2, and yeah. uh, by Bendis. More Hell yeah! By the way, did you guys notice there were like two or three books this week that made crisis jokes? Yeah. What, what was the? There was one book that referenced Infinite Crisis. I think that was maybe Superman. Even was that Superman? Even Superman? <laughs> even so, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember catching any crisis. Like, references. People said "Crisis on Infinite Blanks" like multiple times this week. Mm, that's how desensitized I am to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the actual Supergirl issue. Yeah, uh, let's do that. It was really good. <laughs> Kevin McGuire is doing great work. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is fun. I like the way I like the way Andreco wrote. Uh, the interaction between Kara and the lanterns that was good stuff um yeah anything else no it's really good i don't have anything at least ben's might have something no i i don't you said it all all right well let's talk about superman number 3 Written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Ivan Reyes, with two really good variant covers. Yeah, what is it? David Mack and 
and um, Hughes, Adam Hughes. Uh, okay. Um, so I really like this issue. I think that Bendis writing Superman is great, and I don't know who I've become. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I think... I think Scott Snyder um, is a writer who I can't imagine writing i can't imagine writing at marvel or what that would look like you know uh-huh. because he seems so entrenched in dc to me and i would have said the inverse about brian michael bendis he seemed like such a marvel writer to me i i yeah. guess that's just from doing you know decades of work there but um to come over here and to toss all these characters in his superman blender you know in this issue we got a little bit of Adam Strange. We got pretty much a all the great Adam Strange part. Great bit. Yes. Great gag right there. Um, we got appearances from Ryan Choi, Ted Cord, Ray Palmer, um, the, that that uh, Will Magnus, the Doctor, uh, Mister Terrific. You know, Live Wire. Live Wire. Yep. Just great, great uses of these characters. Um, whether they're for jokes or little story beats, like, you know, it would make sense in, in this particular situation to contact Mr. Terrific. Right. Right. Um, the Adam strange joke. Sure. It was just a gag, but it was great. Earth is gone. You know, <laughs> like he's floating, like not funny. What happened? You know, what yeah. happened? Great, great stuff. And not like not falling into the trap of the Bendis dialogue that, that we complain about so much from, from previous works, you know, he's like, he's fitting right in here in the DCU and in the style of comic booking that I like from DC comics, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm really amazed by it. And, and Rogal Zar is still like, whatever, just, I don't like, I don't think that's a great villain, but, um, But at the same at the same time, like the threat that's building feels a little bit like th- they are investing time in it to to maybe make it a legitimate threat, even if I don't think he's all that interesting of a of a villain. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm not clamoring for more Rogalzar, yeah. but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Zach, what say you? Yeah, I agree. Um, the fact that we're still going on him past, you know, the the Man of Steel series. I kind of hoped that he would just be like done after that, but he's still going, and it's it's still good. This arc is this arc is really good. I think it feels very um, big in that it, it incorporates a lot of DC characters. Um, the scope is really big, but also, I mean, it's like still squarely a Superman story. I like it a lot. Yeah, this is good stuff. I'm very happy Brian Bendis is at DC. Mm-hmm. Again, what a difference a year makes. Because it was right about this time. It was right before New York Comic Con. Or was it at New York Comic Con last year when they announced that Bendis was coming over? 
I don't remember. I'm not I remember, sure. I remember when, when I when I talked to Didio in December, it was already like news that it happened. Mm-hmm. So if it hasn't been a year, it's almost a year. And I think all of us were sort of amazed that it was happening, but I don't know if we were all that excited to read the books. Whereas now I'm I'm very excited to read the books. Yeah. Bendis right. is coming, and so am I now. Yep. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the Superman Giant number three from Walmart, written by Tom King, illustrated by Andy Kubert. Earlier, Vin said that these stories are light. <laughs> no, I I was wrong. I admitted it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now this is a this is a dark story. This this is a Superman book about dead kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, not the worst but, Tom King book I've read. No, it's it's out of continuity. I think it's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Because Pa Kent's there. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was going to be like him, like just t- essentially talking to a ghost, you know, like talking to himself. But uh, oh, it could be. Who knows? I don't know. It, or or it, if this is set after Doomsday Clock. Oh, oh man, that'd be something. Um, did either of you feel like the characterization in this was off for a lot of people? Um, I really didn't like the lowest bit. Yeah, I didn't like the lowest bit. I didn't yeah. like Perry so much either. Just because it's such it's such a stark contrast to the Perry that we've been seeing in Bendis' Superman. And in like the uh Tomasi and Gleason and Jurgen Superman. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that uh that King wrote Batman the best of any of the characters here, and that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this isn't terrible it really isn't but it's just such a weird choice for this story in this book sold in these stores to this potential audience yeah is it though I mean I don't know again I feel like this is the kind of thing that your standard mainstream comics young adult adult would think is just the coolest. Like this is a Superman that this is a Superman who, who's okay with snapping some necks, you know, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, it's the same old story with me as far as like the dialogues concerned. So Superman's talking to this little girl in the hospital, right? And she says like four or five times about the action figure or the toy or whatever. That's, oh, it was mine. It wasn't hers. It was mine, actually. Right. And she has to keep saying that. Like, as if that's the way that, that real people talk, you know? And I don't care if she's a kid. Kids don't really talk like that. I Like, it's, you can see the gears turning. You can see like, King thinks he's writing realistic dialogue when he does that, you know, same with the using Lois for a joke to say, like, I'm always falling off of buildings. And and she has to say it like three times, you know, to hammer the point and then also make like it's again the King thing where he makes like a very golden age joke about these characters in a 
platinum age or whatever age we're in right now. You know what I mean? It's like the it's like the Adam West thing. Every once in a while, he'll slip in an Adam West Batman thing in a in a comic that couldn't be further from that tone. Yep. It's the same here. Like, oh, isn't it funny that like Lois was the damsel in distress seventy years ago, and that's about all she was good for, or whatever? Let's make a joke about that in a book that completely doesn't earn it. You know. I just continue to be irritated <laughs> by his. Uh, stylistic approach to these characters. Yeah. Um, Agreed. The art is really good. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. Eddie Hubert does his usual good stuff. Um. Yeah, there were a couple moments in this that weren't so bad, but I just feel like this is a, a bit heavy-handed for no real reason. But. That's the story of Tom King's work, work lately, so there we go. All right, The Flash, number 54, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Christian Duce, and uh, we get a swole Flash here. <laughs> Is there a silence deafening right now? That's just <laughs> you didn't you didn't uh, ask which one of us to, you wanted to hear from. So well, I was hoping one of you would take some initiative for once in your goddamn lives. With a... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead, whoever. Um, I don't know about this issue. <laughs> I think I'm glad. I think I'm glad we're done with this little arc. I am certainly glad we're done with this arc. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think so too. We're definitely not done with the. The forces, the co- yeah, the forces are are still definitely strong with this book here. Oh, there it is. Uh, oh, um, nothing against Christian Duche because I feel like we've liked his art before, but I, I feel like I maybe would have liked this arc a little bit better if the art was different. If maybe even if uh, Dan Mora did the. Co- I, I feel like that works way better for the tone of this arc. I could see that. There's just so many veins. Yeah. There's a lot of veins. And not just on the two muscly characters, but like the warden. The the warden is all veiny and angry and yeah. it's very extreme. Mm-mm. Um, I feel like every character in this book looks like they're either screaming or about to scream or just finished screaming. (laughs) And I also think, um, I think Williamson is incredibly good at writing a, I think in, in the course of one issue, he writes a little bit of a redemption type story for Trickster and then kind of probably through necessity of the greater arc that he has going on here kind of sells it out at the end then. Right. Um, Does he sell it out though? I mean, I think so. I think, I mean, he's not, he, he's not like foregoing redemption here necessarily. Well, maybe not, but I don't know. 
I actually kind of liked that bit. I think I think that the end reveal was maybe my favorite part of the issue. Oh, okay. Why? Um. Uh, one because it's getting back to legacy again. We're getting more flash history characters, legacy. Um, I do like that Williamson seems to um, be focusing in on Axel a little bit, who's kind of a cool underused character. And then I think giving him this foil of like the original trickster may, I mean, like, you know, it could be like another, uh, like a bump on his redemption arc, if that's what Williamson is doing, or it could just be, um, I, I could definitely see it going more that way than seeing like he's going to just like be bad now. I hope so. Because I think without the redemption arc, this is a really underwhelming storyline. Yeah, I, I'll agree with all that. All right, well, let's keep plugging along here with uh, the Immortal Men number six. Let's just say that the end of the book involves Batman saying, what do we do now that we know the Immortal Men are real? <laughs> Anything else to say? No, that's like the most predictable ending for, uh, you know, if, if you want to suggest to the reader that you may see these characters again, you got to have Batman be suspicious of them and say, like, uh, oh, we'll, we'll be getting back to this later. I'll be, I'll be checking on you. Yeah. I, Alfred, I think Alfred we, put this one in the file. Will, will we see them again? No, will they be no. in Justice League or Justice League Dark? I guarantee no. they'll be in one of those books eventually. They'll, they'll be at the next Superman day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I bet we see insert any character here before we see them again. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Let's talk about Titans, number 25, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brendan Peterson. And, uh, yeah, this, we get essentially the comic book version of the John Ritter film, Stay Tuned. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, also, 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 Guillaume March and Dennis Medry. Oh, yes, sorry. Denis Medry, I believe. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Classy um, Brian. No, I'm just saying. One N is Denny. <laughs> but yeah, stay tuned, joke. I'm gonna say it again. Love that movie. <laughs> that, that was an, that that was an HBO staple when when I was younger. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. John Ritter and what's her name from Airplane, right? Um. Yes. What is her? With uh, with Jeffrey Jones as the devil. Oh God, I gotta look this up. Hold on. Uh, I remember there was a Pam like, Dauber. Pam Dauber. There we go. Yep. Uh, I remember there was a like pro wrestling sequence in that movie. Sure. Maybe like a Hollywood Square sequence, some sort of game show. Eugene Levy was in that. Oh, of course he was. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, it was the nineties. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, so that, uh, that's enough of that goof for now. Um, <laughs> so this was a weird issue of Titans. I don't think it was a bad issue of Titans. It was just a weird issue of Titans. 
the team gets split into thirds. Well, there's three different stories. Uh, Donna is by herself, and then Raven, Beast Boy, and Steel are off doing their thing, and then Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel, Ms. Martian, rather, and uh, Nightwing have their little moment there. What did you guys think of these three stories? <sighs> um, I think this book's this issue suffers greatly. I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm tired of these like extra long anniversary issue things they do. Oh, me too. <laughs> yep. Be- because it's one thing if they're t- if they're like, okay, we got a we got a extra sized issue coming up. Time to come up with a story that's going to fill those forty pages. But what I read when I read these comics is I, it really feels like the writers like, oh shit, I forgot <laughs> I have to do forty pages. Yeah. Like I feel like all three of these um, sort of split situations that are going on are padded out with extra material that would not like all of this stuff could have fit in a twenty-page issue, and I think there's a good issue there somewhere. But like the TV stuff with Nightwing and uh, and and Miss Martian, yeah, goes on for way too long. There's way too much of that. Like we get it, you know. Um, and kind of the same with, with, uh, like, especially because I feel like a lot of these comics that are, are 40 pages reiterate to you the same information several times. Yes. Like, I feel like, um, the conversations, the, the kind of arguing between Nightwing and Miss Martian is essentially reiterated like two or three times in, in, in very similar phrasing, you know? Yeah, never as brattly as in the first bit, though. Yeah, right. Nightwing really comes off bad in that first bit. Yes. But then they keep regurgitating that same, you know, and, and like, almost no new information is is given to us. I think it's, you can really feel the padding in these. And I'm kind of, I wish they just would not do it. You know, I mean, I know this is just me because we read, like, all the books. Regular readers probably don't feel it as much. But I'd almost be like, you know, if issue 25 comes around DC and you want to tack an extra dollar on there for no reason, as long as I don't have to read an extra, (laughs) you know, 20 pages or whatever, that's fine with me. Um, Just go ahead and do that. Because you're not getting a true DCBS subscriber that isn't paying full (laughs) cover price. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I think there's a good there's a good issue in here somewhere. And I, I. I'm I'm enjoying the direction that Titans is taking. I like the new Steel a lot. This was a great issue for her. Um, yeah. I, some, I think, somebody else talk. I think that this book has all the ingredients to be an interesting book, but this issue did not put those ingredients together particularly well. Um, Zach, you've been off the quiet. Tell us what you think. Um, who is now shipping Dick and Megan? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't ship. That's not true. I ship Dick Babs and no one else. I guess I know. Were you bothered by the Corey reference? Because I was. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a Titans book. They have to throw a nod mm-hmm. to that. Look, no like... one is a bigger Dick Babs shipper than me, and I was fine with it. Well, 
Well, you're in Titans. You like Titans a lot. I do like Titans a lot. You're right. No, Zach, what else do you think about this issue? It was very long. And it was a lot of the things that this book has been doing. (laughs) It was a lot more of the things that this book has done in two other issues. Or however however many issues is it? I think this is the third issue, right? This is the third or fourth. Yeah. It was fine. I honestly, I liked the Dick and Megan part the best. Although I didn't, I didn't hate the Donna part either. It was okay. Weird, uh, weird pull bringing in, uh, what's his name? Ben Rubel, I think, from Supergirl. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I know it just started, but I'm already uh, bored of Raven having lost her mojo. <laughs> okay, but you. like this, this is like f- fake Raven, right? Yes. I just want you to say it, Brian. Crikey, she's lost her mojo. <laughs> wow, you really, uh, you really put a lot into that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Raven is like a downbeat character, so she would say it that way. Okay. Yeah, she would. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm a method actor, motherfucker. <laughs> well, that's why I keep getting all those, all those. Never mind. <laughs> Man, we're really uh we're really phoning in the bits <laughs> tonight. Uh, we're not gonna earn our Patreon uh subscribers any this way. We talk about this Patreon like it's a real thing, by the way. <laughs> and it is not a real thing. That's some, one of our gigs. <laughs> but some poor guy it's like, I would like to support them because I'm a good person <laughs> who supports the arts. And he spends all of his time looking online for our Patreon, and it's not there. Somebody is shipping $5 a month to some pyramid scheme that's not really us. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> they'll, they'll send me my content eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> They're good, guys. It's some Russian fake uh, DC3 cast. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the <laughs> DC4 cast. <laughs> I'm Brian. <laughs> you sound like um oh what's the actress name? The the villain character in Men in Black. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. I'm half Vincent D'Onofrio, half yes. Constantine the evil Kermit the Frog from Muppets Most Wanted. Okay, <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, that's purposeful. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, finally, last but not least, Wonder Woman number 54, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by uh, Raul Allen and Patricia Martin, coming over from their extensive Valiant work to do this issue. Um, Everyone's favorite character returned. Count of three, R- Rustum? Yeah, oh, I was going to make a say in the count of three. Yeah, Rustum. <laughs> uh, Vampire Weekend hasn't been the same without him. That's true. That well, we wouldn't know. He hasn't done, they haven't done it. anything. Yeah. <laughs> but that guy's name has Batman in it. That's, that's true. 
<laughs> Rustum Batman Jolly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. I liked this issue a lot, you guys. Yeah, this was a fun issue. It was really good. And I was not aware of these artists' work before this. Uh, I didn't realize they were like working at Valiant. Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty pretty much uh, Valiant mainstays. Mm. Holy cow, is it good? It's really really good. It's like um, it was almost like at times it almost felt like uh, like an indie book or something. Mm-hmm. With the with the with like the um, zoomed in panels within panels, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing that um, uh, uh, what's his name does that worked that worked with uh, Orlando on um, Midnighter. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Almost like that, except more more kind of like minimalist. I think uh-huh. in a way that made it feel a little bit indie and kind of like daring for a mainline DC comic. Mm. Um, I really liked it. There's one page. It's page um, nine on our PDFs where it looks like it reminded me so much of a Manhattan projects page Mm. where it's like that. It's it's, this is actually, I think it's a 12 or six or 16 panel grid, but it's like half of them are just all red and half of them are, are not, and it just the the stark color scheme. Manhattan Projects always does the red and the blue, mm-hmm. like separate, uh, just color that way. I was like, oh man, that reminds me of Patara and uh, Jordi Belair's work. That's a good call. Color color is really important in this issue, and uh, honestly, like there is a bit of a Patara vibe at times here. Yeah, especially in the characters' faces. I think. Yeah, I could see that. Um. I love the page where Diana like jumps up into the tower and um, the soldiers are shooting at her and there's like the badum badum. Yeah. That's so good. Man. I would I would love to see these guys come on a DC book. Yeah. Yeah, this these Orlando issues have been really great. I think the first one was definitely the weakest one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked it a lot, though. But I know you. I know you liked it a lot. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I love like one-off, two-off stories. I love when we have these like gaps between um, creative teams, and and we get things like this. Like, do you guys remember? a few years ago at Marvel um, in between secret Avengers teams where Warren Ellis did those six mm, one shots yes, with different uh-huh. art teams. Like that's kind of what this reminds me of. Um, and I love when, when we get things like this, as opposed to, you know, other fill in type things like we've maybe discussed previously in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Orlando just does a great job of like playing with weird toys in the in the rebirth era DC. Well, he is like uh, to me he's probably the most and, and I have no proof of this. He strikes me as the most encyclopedic fan of the bunch. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the guy who I think 
sits up at night and thinks about continuity more than some of the other DC writers. And so when you give him this sandbox to play in, he's able to do a lot with it. Yeah. But I mean, just like bringing back Rustum. Yeah. Like purposefully resurrecting him after um, Justice League Suicide Squad is and doing something interesting with him. Yeah. It's good. This is a really good issue. It is. Well, that does it for this week's books. Next week, we get Bruce Wayne's dick. <laughs> good and night, apparently, everybody. Dick gets brained. <laughs> Wait, what I'm hearing is Bruce Wayne hangs brain. <laughs> is that what we just said? Yes. <sighs> Buddy, they won't even let me fuck the cow. <laughs> I think there are less books less week next week, luckily. Only by a little bit. Praise be. Under his eye. Oh shit. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve books next week. There were like eighteen this week. Yeah, but that was counting like the Walmart stuff. Okay, that's who, knows, true. who knows if we'll get Batman? And uh, is there anything special going on in the what's the other book? There's Justice League, Batman, Superman, and Teen Titans. Titans. Teen Titans. Is there an, is there an, a new thing kicking off in that? I don't think so, but I can't remember. I can't either. Anyway, until then, you can follow some of us on Twitter. I'm at Brian Inzanap. I'm nowhere. I'm at, oh. <laughs> tweet at nowhere to uh, get Vince. I'm at Wilker Fox. And we shall return next week. Hopefully I'll find a way to work in a uh, an Austin Powers joke next week. Oh, please. With Batman's dick, there's going to be so many. Is the whole issue just like things going in front of his dick? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, a plate of sausage or a yep. flashlight? What? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Does Batman have uh, over an overabundance of uh, chest hair? Yes. There we go. He turned his you who gold! I don't know why I'm always stuck referencing the worst Austin Powers movie. <laughs>